And uh, welcome to Radio Drama Revival. This is the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here you hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred. Well, today is the promised mystery episode, and it's going to be meeting that expectation. We go a little bit of an unconventional avenue. Today's guest is Joe Bevilacqua. Uh, Joe Bevilacqua, the audio dramatist of a long resume, including work for NPR, awards from the National Federation of Community Broadcasters, hundreds of hours of audio entertainment. His latest work has been a weekly show that produced uh, exclusively for XM called the uh, Comedy Rama Hour, but as we'll soon hear, that tenure is coming to an end uh, for reasons that were not expected. Uh, before we get started, let me preface that any opinions that do get voiced today are entirely those of me and the guest, uh, Joe, and in no way reflect upon those of WMPG or the University of Southern Maine. Uh, that said, here's Joe Bevilacqua. That's me now. <laughs> cool. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival first and uh, to Portland, Maine, and uh, the listeners who may be tuned in uh, online and through the podcast. And uh, why don't, for those who are unfamiliar with the work, why don't you introduce yourself uh, and just a little bit about what you do and uh, who you are? <laughs> you got five hours? Well, <laughs> see, see if you can do uh, it in five so minutes. Basically, uh, uh, I, uh, when I was 12, my father bought me a tape recorder, and uh, I started making up funny voices on it. I did characters called Willoughby and the Professor, and originally they were these two dumb, uh, dumb uh, scientists and his dumb assistant, <clears throat> and uh, the uh, the dumb guy kind of talked like, uh, okay, boss, you know, very stereotyped. Mm-hmm. And um, I sent these when I was 15 to a guy named Dawes Butler, who was the voice of Yogi Bear. Yay, I'm Yogi Bear, <laughs> and Huckleberry Hound. And, uh, like, hundreds of, you know, Mr. Jinx, who hates Mises to pieces, you know, Wally Gator, you know, all these characters. And he liked what I had done on tape, and I had ad-libbed this stuff as a child, you know, with yeah. music and sound effects. He dubbed himself my mentor, and I ended up going out to Beverly Hills, California every summer and spending weeks with him and going on his recording sessions for Captain Crunch and the, the Jetsons revival that was done in the, uh, in the early 80s and uh, so I, I uh, you know, went to college for theater, mm-hmm. and I ended up uh, getting a job in radio. I uh, actually sent my resume to a Pacifica station in New York City, WBAI, and the res- mm-hmm. on the top of the resume I put radio actor. Okay. <laughs> so a guy named Rick Harris, who was the arts director at the time, thought that was unique for somebody in the, you know, in uh, 1982 to <laughs> yeah. be sending them that. Sure. And so that kind of launched my radio career. And uh, although I've done other things, I was in the computer industry during the Internet uh, boom in the 90s, and mm-hmm. I've pretty much kind of stayed in radio because that's where I like to be. I actually spent some time in L.A. trying to get some voice, uh, cartoon voice work like Dawes Butler, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very difficult. They're mostly hiring celebrities, you know, so I gravitated back into radio. Worked at KUT in Austin, Texas. Uh, did uh, an award-winning documentary that was just rebroadcast uh, called Lady Bird Johnson, Legacy of a First Lady. And um, so I've done a lot of serious stuff. But all along the way, I wanted to keep my fingers in this uh, creative thing. And radio theater, to me, um, is an amazing art form uh, where the audio palette is very much like a painting. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you're painting this audio portrait for your, for your listeners. And uh, so I stayed in that, and I kept Willoughby and the Professor. They've changed. They've become totally different characters. Uh, I just, uh, XM Satellite Radio, right before they canceled my show, uh, played uh, five new uh, episodes of Willoughby and the Professor that I produced this year. So 35 years later, I'm still doing these characters. 
Great. And Although they, they sound very different now. Sure. Uh, the, uh, the professor I uh, envisioned with having very large cheeks and being very el- eloquent. <laughs> so I actually hold my cheeks when I you do his voice, and it's like this. I say, Willoughby, perhaps I should explain, you know, like that. Yeah. And then Willoughby, instead of a dumb guy, he becomes this child who is uh, kind of naive and wide-eyed and will do anything the professor says. And, of course, that uh, wreaks havoc on the world. And Holy smoke, Professor! And he's got this kind of high voice, and he's very up. You know, so it's, I learned from Dawes that it's, the, it's not a voice. It's a character, sure. facial structure, you know. If I was doing two characters, two British characters, and I wanted to distinguish them, just by facial structure, age, imagining what they look like, how tall they are, even as far, going as far as uh, kind of Stanislavski-style uh, acting, but, but uh, for voice, where you're trying to uh, kind of build a history for this person, you know? Sure. So two guys talking could be like, um, Oh, I say, I had a wonderful experience today. Uh, tell me about it, will you? Oh, yes, I went to my dentist. Oh, you went to a dentist? Yes, he's a midget dentist. A midget dentist? Uh, yes, he, he sits in my lap while he fixes my teeth. Oh, my. Yes, it's quite this disconcerting. I, 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 I can't keep a crease in my trousers, and I can't even read a magazine. You know, and it's just these two guys talking, you know. Sure. But you can tell the difference between the two, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that's a lot of fun pulling that on the fly. So, you know, I, uh, I just kept doing it. About four years ago, uh, you know, and I've been, I've been kind of floating around stations because this is the kind of work that doesn't stay, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want uh, uh, things that, um, that uh, are uh, hip and modern and, and quick. And, you know, we have this problem now where we've convinced everybody they have a short attention span. Sure. Which isn't true. Uh, I think the media is the one with the short attention span. The people who are making uh, decisions and uh, deciding what should go on, it's kind of a cheat. Mm-hmm. It's like being lazy, okay? You convince your audience they have a short attention span, then you don't have to work as hard. You can do these little kind of ephemeral segments and just kind of blow it off as it's just on today and gone tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, but it's cheating because in the old days of broadcast, early days of broadcasting, there was a, uh, an excitement where you wanted to create something interesting and you wanted to be creative and you wanted to kind of stretch the medium and, and stretch the audience too, you know, stretch the audience's experience of mind, you know. Yeah. So about four years ago, program director uh, over at XM, uh, <clears throat> Steve Karish, asked me if I would put together a new radio theater show. So mm-hmm. I started out playing some of the old stuff and then I started uh, building a show and just as we're getting now four years into it, and it's really like uh, we've got celebrities on. We've had Al Franken, Louis Black, uh, Shelley Berman, people like that. And then uh, uh, we, we, were just, we had just gotten uh, permission to fold into the show classic old-time radio characters. Okay, Not doing, not doing old-time radio, but taking right. old characters haven't been used in, in, in many years, that, but are still funny, still interesting, still dramatic, whatever, and folding them into the show as well, along with all the original material. Okay, so you mean like the intellectual... And, uh, so we were going to do a new, ja- a new Jack Benny show, mm-hmm. a new Jack Benny story called The Fred Allen Murder Mystery. And we had Richard Belzer signed to play Jack Benny, and Dick Cavett signed to play <laughs> Fred Allen. 
And the whole idea was to pay tribute to Benny, but with a new story, sure. you know. And then we have uh, we had uh, Ann Magnuson for for Our Miss Brooks. If anybody knows what that is, it was a show by with Eve Arden and Gail Gordon. It was on radio and then TV for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gunsmoke. Just, you know, almost all of the big shows, everything except like those few that are that are uh, iconic, like uh, the Lone Ranger we couldn't get, uh, couldn't get the shadow, things like that. But most of the of the uh, estates of the owners or the license license holders were were ecstatic and happy (laughs) to say, oh, yeah, you want to do something with these characters? Let's go. And, uh, you know, just as we were getting ready to. To, uh, to start producing them, and we did a we did a, a test in mm-hmm. front of an audience, and we took a uh, uh, my wife and I, Lori Kellogg, wrote a uh, a full hour to see if this would work, and we we did a, a new Fibber McGee and Molly, mm-hmm. and a new Duffy's Tavern, see? and we put it in front of a live audience uh, at uh, at uh, Dutchess County Community College in the Catskills and. Up here where I live, sure. and uh, the audience just went crazy. They loved it, and these people don't know any of those characters. Yeah, all they know is it's interesting, it's funny, you know. And what we tried to do was make it better than the original. Sure. And by that I mean, <clears throat> well, first of all, you've got better sound quality. Mm-hmm. You've got stereo. You know, now you can hear Fibber Fibber McGee's closet exploding in full stereo, <laughs> high quality, and it really feels like it's folding over you. You know, and. Yeah. Um, but also, even even in terms of the writing, because, you know, they were churning those shows out treadmill style. Mm-hmm. There's a book by Fred Allen called uh, Treadmill to Oblivion, in which he uh, details his uh, career in radio and how he felt like he was on a treadmill to oblivion because every week he would have to start over putting on a new show. Yeah. If you've ever read, like, Sid Caesar's book, uh, on uh, your show of shows and on uh, his career, Caesar's Hour, mm-hmm. that same kind of feeling. You know, you're doing this this thing every week. You got to churn it out, and uh, it's hard to keep the quality up. So the, the tendency, as with television, is to kind of cheat a little, and you just you, you kind of you know have running gags or the, the joke from last week is done again. You know, mm-hmm. uh, re, redoing stories, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I mean, Jack Benny used to do that. All the shows used to do that. Suspense used to do that. They would, like, five years later, they'd do another uh, Sorry, Wrong Number. Yeah. <laughs> so they, yeah. like, totally ran out of ideas and they had to do a show. Well, yeah. And we can... have the luxury of putting together a package where, you know, you can spend as much time as you want writing these things. You know? So we wrote a really, really good script. Mm. And particularly the Duffy's Tavern, people that have heard it have commented mm. that it is better than the original because they ne- a lot of people never read a lot of people in old-time radio fans now, they listen to Duffy's Tavern, and they don't like it very much. Yeah, It's a little dated. Um, I think uh, Ed Gardner, who played uh, Archie, and he was also one of the co-creators of the show, mm-hmm. was a little bit lazy. And uh, so the show really didn't have like a crisp, good, uh, 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 solid uh, uh, storyline. It was mm-hmm. usually jokes and then a guest star. Yeah. Well, so I envisioned uh, what would happen if uh, if we put these guest stars in, like uh, Edward G. Robinson and the guy named Alan Jenkins, who was a, a character actor. He played Officer Dibble on Top Cat, mm-hmm. and he also was in most of the Edward G. Robinson gangster movies as his sidekick. 
we wrote this story where uh, uh, Archie uh, is trying to attract people to the bar, to the tavern, and he notices that the Shriners Convention is down the street. So he goes there and tries to, he lies to them, tells them he has celebrities at the tavern, which he doesn't, <laughs> except that Edward G. Robinson and Alan Jenkins are in the kitchen. Sure. And it, it, through, a, through a series of events that led them there. And uh, so it kind of, you know, kind of explodes into this whole crazy uh, piece. And um, we also videotaped it, too, okay. which is a first. We have five cameras, so we can actually, uh, you know, distribute that if we wanted to. And it's a very interesting thing because I play myself yeah, okay. in this show alone, I don't know, 12 or more characters. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'm talking to myself. <laughs> and uh, many of the actors that I direct... Do that as well. Sure. Wow. So uh, here's here's a kicker. What happened? Well, uh, you're, you're, it's a sort of a <clears throat> lying moribund at the moment mm -hmm. because uh, XM has canceled our slot, so we have nothing to sell. Yeah. You see. So um, yeah. So listeners, um, Sonic Theater, the uh, channel one sixty three on the XM dial, does right. play uh, audio theater. Uh, anyone was un unaware of that, and uh, it's right. actually a mix. I I don't know if it'd be sixty forty audiobooks to audio theater, um, but previously they have they have a pretty good schedule actually. Um, up till now, your work, uh, ZBS, um, Crazy Dog, Los Angeles Theater Works, um, yeah. Blackstone Audiobooks, right. a variety of stuff. But then they they've decided now that they're going to cancel weekend programming, which by proxy cancels your show. That's right, and and they don't see the uh, the value. Let's put it this way: without burning bridges, mm -hmm. I would say that they and probably most uh, broadcast uh, entities do not understand radio theater. Yeah. They really don't understand it. They don't know what it is. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to promote it. They don't know how to sell it. They think nobody wants it. And in fact, uh, they would find that uh, the reason people don't want it is because they don't know what it is. Sure. And it hasn't been it hasn't been uh, promoted properly. It hasn't been marketed. Mm -hmm. I argued with the uh, with the advertising people at over at XM that they should actually make the Sonic Theater channel the, the centerpiece of the whole thing because then they'd be different than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But they want to be the same. Yeah. Everybody wants to be like everybody else. They want to make sure that they that they cover all their bases and they, everybody's comfortable. And so what they did from the very beginning was they allocated uh, Sonic Theater to a really niche kind of a, of, a, of a thing. They never promoted it. They don't put it on the website. They never promoted my show. They, don't mm. even play my, they, never, they hardly ever played my promo uh, in that game. You know, and I, so I'm... Yeah. You get hit, you know. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, because I'm, you know, obviously a, a huge fan of radio drama. I spent a lot of time trying to find out what's going on, and I didn't find out that they even had a, the, uh, a channel on it for months because... Uh, it's sort of like an in-the-know thing, yeah. <laughs> this channel. It's it's not like yeah. it's... Um... And they don't know anything about cross-promotion. Mm -hmm. I had Bob Edwards on my show, right, wow. an election special, and he played himself, and he kept introducing some really you know crazy uh, news segments. Obviously, mm -hmm. it was comedy. And um, and then I went on his show, and, you know, we were not allowed to cross-promote across channel. Mm -hmm. his, his show's on <laughs> 133. Uh, and so I was a guest on his show because I wrote Dawes Butler's uh, official biography, uh, and when it came out, he had me on as a guest. And uh, Al Franken, you know, Al Franken, they have Air America on there, and when Al Franken was the the, the, the guy on uh, Air America, mm -hmm. uh, he was on my show, did a whole hour with me, 
they wouldn't promote it on on the other channel and vice versa and nothing you can't you know they, it's just they don't even think but yet they will take whatever the three or four or five things they've decided are going to be popular and they want to promote and they're usually very sexy or rock things or uh, amoral behavior sure. Obi and Anthony kind of thing or if anybody knows you know, Howard Stern is on a different channel but yeah. Howard Stern-esque kind of negative amoral behavior being paraded as yeah. entertainment uh, that's what gets uh, promoted. They'll put in the middle of my show. Uh, go listen to this other channel. Huh. Interesting. But so, they won't do it the opposite. Yeah. And the reason for that is they don't think that radio theater is worth it. Yeah. They only put the channel on at all, I think, just because they needed programming. They were gearing up, and they probably thought it sounded seemed prestigious. Mm-hmm. Once they got into it, they realized they don't they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So and they won't let the creative people like me and other uh, providers mm-hmm. help them. Yeah. They so don't want to work with it. They don't want to be, you know, kind of, they just want us to deliver the show and disappear. Yeah. So your thought is not that it's really a personal slight or anything, but just that they, a failure to understand how to really get people tuned into that channel and how to, and what to do with audio theater when they get it. Right, yeah. yes. And, and the other thing is that uh, in terms of trends, mm-hmm. and I've been in this business a long time, uh, right now, Nobody is making um, any money, and no one has a hit in yeah. the broadcast media yeah. anymore, or in the music industry, or the, even the film industry, unless you talk about those few blockbusters, you know, yeah. Spider-Man or something. And the reason for that is there's too much stuff, mm-hmm. there's too much entertainment, too many channels on the TV, too many channels on XM, yeah. too many uh, things to listen to on iTunes and iPods. Being able to download your own entertainment now and just pick and choose what you want, take it with you, you know, portable. And so uh, the traditional uh, ways of looking at media aren't working anymore. And, and most of these companies are, you know, they're kind of slow dinosaur kind of elephant thing. You know, they, they, they're, they're always behind the yeah. trend. Yeah. And the, 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 the people in the trenches like me, know the trends before they're going to happen but no one listens yeah the business people don't listen yeah so know? so what do you what do you uh post all this what do you what are you uh, going to go with your work um you do have a great website if anyone wants to check out jobev j-o-e-b-e-v.com uh, uh, with a lot of work uh, jobev.com because when i was a kid my dad was a joe joe bevilacqua as uh-huh. well and uh uh, they couldn't pronounce our name, so that's always Joe Bev. <laughs> Joe Bev. In school, I was Joe Bev. And it's a little easier, you know. Yeah. But if they go, if people go to that website, they'll still, they'll. Uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. I just put up what I could afford to fit. Sure. For now, you know, there's yeah. I don't know forty or fifty hours worth of, of audio entertainment up there right now of varying length. Uh, I put up even uh, the pieces, some of the pieces I've done for NPR that are. Unique, you know, and even NPR doesn't understand my work because, because I'm myself, mm-hmm. you see. Yeah. In other words, I'm not trying to be what they say they need. I'm just me. Right, right. And not, so that, has, that comes with pluses and minuses, you know. Sure. I, uh, I, I won many awards uh, for, uh, I've won like five or six awards now, for pieces I've done for NPR, mm-hmm. for All Things Considered, okay. Morning Edition, Weekend Edition piece I did on my own name. I went to <laughs> and looked up 43 other Joe Bevilacquas around the country and called them up huh. and recorded the record the thing. Most of them thought I was trying to scam them. Or, yeah. You know, but the people that really believed 
me uh, told me their own stories <laughs> of how they were uh, confused for another Joe Bevilacqua, like I've been. Yeah. I had my auto insurance canceled once because of a, 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 uh, I was hit as a pedestrian oh, no. on the same day in New Jersey that another Joe Bevilacqua hit a pedestrian. That doesn't sound too confusing. It's not two yeah, Joe Bevilacquas, same a, similar experience, wow. one on the opposite end of it, and my, so my insurance was canceled because they said I they thought I was the other guy. Man, that's Almost a, had a tooth pulled, you know, that's a, because they had the wrong guy. That Dennis, Dennis had another Joe Bevilacqua, oh, etc. So I did this piece and it was marvelous, and uh, it aired uh, on uh, on uh, All Things Considered, sure. and I, I had it. That's up on the website too, mm. uh, JoeBev.com. Okay, cool. So where am I going to go? Uh, who knows? I've been doing this, as I say, 35 years. When mm-hmm. I started, I was doing it on a little tape recorder, a little Panasonic. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been canceled uh, at public radio stations in particular yeah. all my whole career. Sure. Every few years, some new program director or new person comes in who wants to make a name for themselves, and the first thing they get rid of is, you know, radio theater. Yeah. Uh, I was canceled twice by the same station once. WBAI, I was on there from 1982 until 89, Mm -hmm. and then somebody came in and they wanted to put on some political program Mm -hmm. and uh, about Grenada or something, and I got canned. And then uh, a new guy came in in 90 three and asked me to come back so i came back and started another show worked there until 95 when a similar thing happened new program director came in and they replaced me with a this was at 6 30 at night on a saturday sure. and i was the second most uh, listened to show mm-hmm. they uh, they replaced me with some kind of a like techno dance music show oh. <laughs> you know where it's like just all rhythm right right it's something better suited for and i'm like what? <laughs> an hour of techno yeah oh yeah that's that's great Oh, well, so, yeah. You know, it's very diff- it's a difficult field to be in. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've pretty much stopped uh, working with NPR because mm-hmm. uh, the segments have gotten so short, I mm-hmm. can't afford it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> in other words, what happens is when I started with, uh, supplying NPR shows with, uh, with my, my work, mm-hmm. I could do 20-minute segments. Yeah. And, it, you know, it takes the same amount of time to prepare a 20-minute segment as it does a three-minute segment. In fact, it might take even longer to do the three-minute segment because yeah. it requires a lot more tweaking and editing and adjusting and fine-tuning mm-hmm. to tell that story in such a small time. Yeah. You know, so even uh, even four years ago, I was still doing 10-minute segments for mm-hmm. NPR. Now the longest piece they'll take for me is three and a half minutes. Wow, that's... So it doesn't pay. That certainly says and something. And I've explained this to them, but, uh, you know, again, it's this idea of short attention span. Mm-hmm. second thing that happened really at NPR is that uh, they've gotten uh, more uh, kind of geared towards news only. In other mm-hmm. words, the arts are pretty much not non-existent now on NPR. Yeah. Oh, so when I, I started seeing that I was uh, not getting anywhere with XM. I didn't know I was going to be canceled, but I, 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 I knew that they were ignoring me, and they were treating me like I was uh, not, not, not something that was uh, of any importance to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went to 
uh, Jay Kernis, who was the vice president of programming at NPR and supposedly a big fan of radio theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, I presented him with the show, and I even gave him a copy of this uh, Fibber McGee and Molly and Duffy's Tavern we did in front of a live audience, which is just fabulous. I mean, the audience is just crisp, man. Sure. They really are jumping. They're reacting and laughing and applauding and whooping. Mm-hmm. You know, no. you would think that uh, that uh, you're, uh, we were famous or something, the way, yeah. the, the way the audience reacted, but it's because the story was good. And the performances were good. Uh, and uh, his, his basic response was, yeah, that's great. It's wonderful. It's a great show. But no matter how good it is, no, you know, this isn't going isn't gonna to fly, mm. and NPR is not going to be airing this kind of programming anymore. Yeah. Uh, and um, then he told his, a little story that I've heard before, which is, uh, he says, uh, there's, a, there's a story that goes around NPR uh, where uh, the uh, program director walks into the station manager's office, mm-hmm. and he says, when's the best time to play radio theater? Mm-hmm. And the station manager looks up from his computer and says, 1946. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, on that note, <laughs> that's about um, all, all the time we have for today. Do you have any uh, one-liners on a, uh, anything positive to leave us with? Well, the positive, uh, I think, is that the, the Internet yeah. is really the place, and this is why I put up this site, mm-hmm. And uh, if, if people, uh, you know, uh, feel like they're not, they want to hear radio, good radio theater or even good, good audio of any kind, because I do documentaries, all kinds of things, go to JoeBev.com. And uh, what I want to try and do is build that site into its own, its own radio theater station, sure. you know, uh, because uh, most people have broadband, and most, a lot of people do now, and they, they, uh, the, a lot of people are getting their entertainment off of the web and iPod. And the more traditional mediums, and that includes uh, satellite, I think are uh, just going to be there, but they're not going to be doing, just like cable television, they're not going to be doing anything great. Yeah. Well, thanks Don't a lot. Don't expect it. You <laughs> yeah. know. Well, thanks a lot, Joe, for uh, stopping in and chatting with you, t- telling us about, well, the rather unfortunate tale of audio theater in today's world, but uh, hopefully tuning some people into your work. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, you guys keep up the good work. Uh, we'll do what we can. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Britt. Have a good one. And again, that was uh, Joe Bevilacqua. You can hear more of his stuff at www.joebev.com. Even now that XM will no longer be airing his work, you can download uh, all kinds of stuff, uh, drama, comedy, even uh, documentary-style work, uh, and learn more about him and uh, all his uh, great history as a radio dramatist as well. And now uh, we'll actually be featuring uh, one of the old ti- new old-time radio works you heard him speak about just a moment before. This one is uh, Duffy's Tavern. Hope you enjoy. This is Orson Welles, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Out of character once again to talk to you about little chocolate-covered peas. (laughs) The peas that please. (laughs) Deep in the fjords of Norway, a special kind of pea is grown. It's a yummy pea, round and firm. (laughs) Fully packed. Easy on the munch. Because each day, Grandfather Willoughby pours molten hot chocolate syrup all over the peas as they grow on the vine. (laughs) Thus allowing all those cocoa-licious juices to permeate the fiber walls of the pea shell. The result, the most tender chocolate-covered pea you'll ever eat. Little chocolate-covered peas. Just pop one in your mouth and say, Mmm, more little chocolate-covered peas. 
the peas that please. Keep up, Jenkins, keep up. I'm trying, boss, I'm trying. Your legs must be longer than mine. Jenkins, 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 we have the same, same inseam. We do? Well, maybe I'm a little bit more deceivingly proportioned than you, boss. Now look, Jenkins, I told you, never call me boss when we're not at work. Jenkins, what are you holding? A sweet potato. Jenkins, that's a yam. No, it ain't, boss. That there's a sweet potato. Where's the painting? Under me left arm. Relax, boss. Well, be careful not to crease it. It's very valuable. Hey, what kind of painting is this? Uh, that's a Grandma Moses. It looks like a little kid drew it. Uh, that's, uh, that's her style. It's supposed to look like folk art, Jenkins. Uh, folk right, art. if you say so. Now, if you don't mind me and me sweet potato, I've got a train to catch. Now, look, I'm a gardener, Jenkins. A blue ribbon champ. At the 1937 San Fernando Valley Fair and hog calling contest, Ronald Reagan pinned the ribbon on me personally. And my prize hog, Kate Smith. D. Ronald Reagan? Never heard of him. Jenkins. Ronald Reagan is president. He is? That's right, Jenkins. President of the Screen Actors Guild. So he's the bum that got me thrown off the Warner Brothers lot for being a communist. Oh, you're not a communist, Jenkins. Nah, of course I ain't. I always talk like this. It's geriatrics on me mother's side. You know? Higher editing. If we all talk like you, Jenkins, Armageddon would look like heaven on earth by comparison. Gee, thanks, boss. I like you, too. Why are you with me, Jenkins? You asked me to come along. You said it would be a culinary experience for me. Cultural. I said it would be a cultural experience. And I, an artistic eye-opening for you. But Jenkins, you're, you're right, you're right. I, I, I did ask you along. I'm just so, so tired from fighting off all those autograph-seeking fez heads at the hotel. Why, I feel so... Boss? Boss! Hey, boss, we gotta get out of here. There's an angry mob coming. They're coming right at us. There they are! Hurry before they get away. Oh, oh, oh no. Goodbye, cruel wild. I wonder how the many of them bums I can get down with this sling of me sweet potato. So long, Pinky. You're the best pal me brother Orchid ever grew. about that innocent happenstance. Eh, we'll miss a couple of Shriners with a swarm of them buzzing around a hotel on a corner anyway. Come to Papa, Pinky. And they say a dog's a man's best friend. Right, Pinky? Here's my nice sweet potato. 
Hey, I'd better get the boss of this painting out of here before this mob reconnoiters. Hmm. I think the boss might be right. I think you might be a yam. Well, that's a relief. I'm allergic to sweet potatoes. <laughs> Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meet to eat. Special tonight, pig's pickled feet. Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Uh, you and the missus have been listening to the show, and uh, so far you ain't heard no stars? Uh, nah, I ain't heard none of it myself so far. Uh, don't worry, Duff. Look, we got Marilyn Monroe coming up in just a few minutes. Right after a word from me sponsor. Yemen's plan. Yemen's plan. Yemen's plan, Yemen's plan, woo-hoo! Yemen's plan, Yemen's plan, Yemen's plan. Eagle, what are you doing playing choo-choo in my laboratory? Sorry, Master, but look, Igor creates something new for Master. Come look, quickly. What is it, Igor? A pink and yellow monster with very cute dimples for me? No, Master. It's Splam. That's right, Splam. The regurgitated for your convenience processed canned yam and ham substitute spread. We call it Splam because that's what your stomach will say every time you mush a loaf down your throat. Yes, Splam. With all the pink and yellowness that you've come to expect from Brother Orchid Laboratories. But only half the green and brown specks. Plus, all that yummy, fuzzy flavor of our regular regurgitated processed and canned ham substitute. Is it yam or ham? It's neither. It's splam! Master, do you like your regurgitated processed and canned yam and ham substitute spread? Splam? I'll tell you, Eagle, as soon as I'm able to swallow it. Chew, Master. Chew. Chew. Rusty, what is it? <laughs> it's a good joke, Rusty. What? That's a no joke. What? Well, what is it? Okay, I listen with the both ears. Ah, you crazy. First you say it's new, then you say it's old. Which is it? The makeup of your mind. Oh, now I get it. It's the new old radio hour. That's like when you call for a two-for-one. It's a good idea. <laughs> okay, we're going to be late for the Duffy Tavern. I want you to go, Rusty. That's the new old-time radio hour. Oh, it's a good one. That's a good one. Are you sure this is going to work, Mr. Archie? Oh, don't worry about a thing, Eddie. I've had a stroke. You certainly have. 
of genius, Eddie, me friend and colleague. A stroke of genius. Oh, that's what they're calling crazy these days. Quit gesturing me and plug your light bulbs into this socket. What? Feast your eyes at the kitchen door, me friend. <clears throat> and ladies and gents, may I present, without further to do, that blonde bombshell, what put the jolt in Jolt and Joe, DiMaggio, that is. Day, I hope you don't mind me coming in the kitchen. Day, did you know you got an angry mob outside? I do. I didn't order one. <laughs> Holy pack of camels. Shriners. Gazillions of them. Marching up tight. What a sea of fezzes. You'd think we was living in denial. There is a Shriners convention at the Endicott. Hold me apron. Hold me apron, Eddie. Hold me apron. Where are you going? Hey, never you mind. Just, 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 you hold my apron. Hold down the fort. Well, what about the stars you promised Mr. Duffy? Now, you just look in the kitchen. I got bigger fish to fry. And if I play me cards right, that fish will be a lobster by supper. Hey, I don't know. Aren't you just right in the head? Hey, well, what do we do now? We look in the kitchen, I guess. Hey, that's what I was going to tell Arch. Uh, but there's something uh, loopy going on back there. You mean while you were back there? Well, sure. How else would I have met Edward G. Robinson, Alan Jenkins, and Marilyn Monroe? You mean all those stars are in our kitchen right now? I may my junior G-Mad badge be unpinned by Edgar J. Hooditz. Stay here at the bar in case we get a customer. I ain't I a customer, Eddie? I mean, a paying customer. Stay here. Come to Duffy's Tavern. Big stars at Duffy's. Marilyn Monroe appearing at Duffy's Tavern tonight. One night only. Edward G. in the flesh. Hmm, he thinks I'll take a stroll over to the consurgical desk. Uh, I wonder if lobster goes well with truffles. What are you in for, sweetheart? James Cagney. Hmm, no, you dirty rat. I'm Cagney. Oh, well, uh, how would you two gents like to make a quick fin? Uh, you can uh, split it between you. But what about me? Oh, Carrie Granite. So, uh... Well, you can uh, split it three ways. Excuse me, gentlemen, but five doesn't split four ways. Okay, Coop. 
So uh, I'll make it four dollars. Now following me to a quaint little bistro I happen to manage down the street. I feel like I was hit with a sweet potato. Oh. Damn, boss. You was right. Jenkins, you hit me with a sweet potato. Yeah, a yam or whatever it is. I can't believe it. Edward G. Robinson and Alan Jenkins hiding in the kitchen of Duffy's Tavern? Hey, sorry about that, boss. Pinky packs quite a wallop. But you already passed out when she ricocheted off your noggin. Well, help me up. Sure, boss. Now, stop that. You're creasing my lapel. I'm sorry, boss. I was only trying to help. Edward G. Robinson and Alan Jenkins hiding in the kitchen of Duffy's Tavern. Uh, where's my Moses now, Jenkins? Edward G. Robinson and Alan Jenkins hiding in the kitchen of Duffy's Tavern? Well, I was the one hit on the head, so why does he keep saying that? Maybe the guy never seen a big star, like me. Two stars on tonight's show. Archie really did it. Make that three. Hello, Miss Duffy. But, sir, I'm Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> and I'm Jackie Robinson. Then you must know my husband, Jolton Joe. He's a Dodger, too. Ooh, ooh. It ain't working, is it? Who dressed you up in the blonde wig and white dress? Archie, he said I'd make a bundle. Excuse me, lady, but you don't look nothing like Marilyn Monroe. I don't? Nah, not in the least. She bleaches her mustache. Well, uh, well, why don't you and your tuba get a room? I am. That's what I am. I am. This is no time to act like a cartoon character, Jenkins. Ah. A lump on my head. I, uh, it's the size of Jack Benny's ego. <laughs> what happened, Finnegan? The angry mob is back, and Archie is seeing stars. Now, now, gents, is this any way to treat a fellow Shriner? I left me bonnet in me other pants. Where are all the movie stars? Let's go. Bogey, Taggy, yes, and Grant and Cooper. What more do you want? Actually, I'm not really Gary Cooper. Mmm, and I'm not. Mmm, James. Mmm, Cag. Mmm, me. You dirty rat. Mmm. You ain't. Nope. And uh, you two ain't. Uh... That's right, sweetheart. The sound the of like Shriners. Impressionists for hire. And we sing, too. Play it the first time, Slim. Mmm, he never gets that right. And a one, and a two. Standing, no, you are better. Than-
We gotta get out of here. I have a train to catch and bring my grandma Moses. Right, boss. Stop calling me boss. This isn't a movie, Jenkins. I am not public enemy number one, and you are not my idiot henchman. Well, I'm half right. You're not a henchman. We are not on the Warner Brothers lot anymore, Jenkins. We are free agents. Then you are a commie, boss. Now look here, Jenkins. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I hear somebody coming. Uh, gra- grab the painting and let's go. Hey, Eddie wants you guys out in the bar to sign audiographs. Now look here, gorgeous George. Hey, my name is Finnegan. Look, stupid. Hey, that's better. <laughs> Why do I always get stuck with the these, dems, and those guys? Why can't I ever have a convergence with someone of me at a quotient level? Well, maybe I should uh, go call Albert Einstein and uh, the two of you can have a little chat over a cup of tea. Would you like that? Would that make you happy? Relatively. <laughs> Would you think he'd show up? I, I hate to interrupt you, but... Then you know. don't. We got some place to be. And the boss don't like being late. I'll handle this. Now, now, my good man. What makes you think that I'm Edward G. Robinson? Because you look just like him. Well, I'm not Edward G. Robinson. Hey, boss. You're not? No. You could fool me because I'm already a moron. Yes, yes. I'm a very good judge of character. Then who are you? Well, uh, confidentially, did you happen to listen to the suspense show on the radio last week? Uh, Yeah, sure. I never miss it. A tale well calculated. Boss, I I gotta Uh, talk to you. Not now. Well, then, my good man, uh, you must remember that it was called The the Man with Edward G. Robinson's Face. Uh, Okay, so what's the gag? I'm that man. The man with the Edward G. Robinson face? Precisely. Then he was a murderer. Exactly. Boss! Now listen here, you mug. I've killed more men than you've swatted flies, see? Why, I'm the toughest little Caesar you ever saw, see? Saw, see? See? Yeah, see? Yeah, see? Yeah, see? I feel like I'm on a seesaw. Well, I'm tough, see? Tough as nails, tough as rocks, yeah. But I have a soft spot for intelligent, handsome mugs like you, so I'm, uh, I'm going to let you go, see? Yeah, see? Yeah, see? Yeah, see? Yeah. Boss, do you mind if I interrupt you? Uh, well, what is it, see? Rocky's angry, see? Yeah, yeah, I'm fit to be tied, see? Yeah, see? There's a flat foot behind you, tapping his tootsies and swinging an eggplant. That's his nightstick, Jenkins. Uh, good evening, Officer uh, Clancy. Clancy. Uh, Clancy. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, so, what, what, what can I do for you, Officer Clancy? So you're a murderer, are you? Uh, that's right. Uh, no, no, no. Look, Officer Clancy, I, I'm in a bit of a hurry. Uh, Jenkins can explain everything. Uh, I have a train to catch. Uh, uh, Jenkins, the painting. Oh, 
And an art thief to boot. Hold on to him, Finnegan. No, wait, no. I'm going to call the paddy wagon. No, no, no. Hey, come no, with no, me. No, I'm Amber G. Robinson, Don't you remember? Run away there. Uh, no, no, no. I'm Amber G. I'll come by and visit in jail, boss. Uh, no, no, but I'm Edward G. I really am. Yeah, yeah. Here's my autograph, oh, see? That's probably Duffy calling with his congratulatories. At Duffy's Tavern, when he elite meat to eat, tonight's special, Pig's Pickled Feet, Archie the manager speaking, Duffy ain't here. What? You don't say. Well, ain't that a kick in the hindquarters? Is it Mr. Duffy? Uh, no, no, Eddie. It's that uppity art dealership, uh, what's in front of where me bookie holds shop in the phone booth. You know, low overhead, passes the savings on to the customer. You have savings? Leave that for another sequestering while I'm on the line here. Hello? What's that? <laughs> hey, that's a good one, pal. Uh, uh, now, what would a pedicurial personality like Edward G. Robinson be doing in a jerk like this? Have you tried the Endicott? Uh-huh. Well, hold on. Eddie... Uh, check uh, in the kitchen for me, will you? No need. I saw Mr. Robinson at the kitchen myself. Well, why didn't you tell me? Don't go nowhere, Frenchie. I, I got Robinson in the kitchen. Eddie G in the flesh! Hey, he's gone, Art. You mean he vamoosed? Hey, Officer Clancy took him away in the paddy wagon. <laughs> Well, who's this guy kissing a sweet potato? Hey, that's what I call a person that you might know, but, uh... Don't you know what I am when you see it, pal? Don't let him bother you, Pinky. That's a good yam. Good yam. Ain't he got pretty eyes? Hold it. Hold it. Who, if I might reiterate, is this guy? Hey, that's... Heel, Pinky. Whilst I solve the mystery for this Nimrod. Why do I always get stuck with the D's, Dems, and those guys? Why can't I ever have a convergence with somebody of my uh, eloquent level? I understand exactly how you feel, pal. Maybe you and me and Albert T can have a Stein sometime. <laughs> Look, this is simple to explain. Me and the boss and Pinky was just walking down the street minding our own P's and Q's when we was engulfed by a writhing mob with blood in their eyes out to steal this here painting. The boss just bought it at an art dealer down the street. Pinky saved our lives. That's a good yam. Well, that's when I come back here to talk to him about. The art dealer's on the line. Mr. Robinson forgot his receipt. A couple of those dealers tried to give it to you, but, uh, well, you, you knocked them out with that onion. Yam! Be that as it may, and to quote the immoral Shakespeare, wherefore Art Am is Robinson? They, they, I told you, Arch. They took him away to the pokey. He's a murderer, you know. Well, there goes me truffles. Eddie, take care of the Shriners whilst I spring said Robinson from said pokey. Right, Mr. Archie. Oh, and, uh, Eddie, uh, before I vamoose to the calaboose, 
Uh, would you please tell me who this little squirt is here with the irritated kumquat? Yam! Never mind the horse and culture. Tell me his name. That man is... Alan Jenkins. Everything would work out fine. Jenkins is a hero. His voice is mellowed like my wine. If we all talk like Alan Jenkins... Gee, fellas... I'm all choked up. Our lives would be so nice. Me and my own personal fan club, Pinky. This couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Hey, this guy, this really is Alan Jenkins. Come on, no autographs, fellas, please. No autographs. Well, maybe just one. Ah, me public. Hey, hey, Alan Jenkins, can I ask you something? My autograph? Of course, old boy. Anything for a fan. I know. I just want to know if you're going to eat that yam. I'm hungry. <laughs> Are you ready, Pinky? Sink him! Hey, stop that! Stop biting me, pet! Stop that! Drop that yam! Pinky! Pinky! My poor Pinky, chopped down in her prime. Why, oh, why wasn't it me? You idiot! You killed Pinky! I think I'm going to go into a deep depression. Well, Finnegan, what have you got to say for yourself? Uh, I was hungry. Hungry? What happened to me uh, pig's pickled feet? They're right below your ankles, pal. <laughs> Me and the boss ate them earlier. He was hungry, too. Excuse me. You know something, Arch? I think you was right all along. That was a sweet potato. How can you be so sure? Well, that's easy. I'm allergic to yams. <laughs> Ellen Jenkins, life would not be such a bore. No more misunderstandings, everything would work out fine. If we all talk like Ellen Jenkins, we'd all have a yam good time. Thank and Duffy's Tavern were recorded before a live audience at SUNY Duchess, Poughkeepsie, New York, and performed by Joe Bevilacqua, Lori Kellogg, Jim Foley, Cousin Kenny Savoy, and Andre Dare, with Paul Salamone on piano and Drone Beershank on the bagpipes. To purchase a CD of this program, go to comedyorama.com or email press at waterlog with two g's dot com. The new old time radio hour was written, produced, and directed by Joe Bevilacqua and Lori Kellogg.
Waterlog Production. Comedy-O-Rama is supported by Bear Manor Media, publisher of the authorized biography of cartoon voice legend Dawes Butler, characters actor. Yogi Bear. For more information, check out bearmanormedia.com. And again, that was the new Old Time Radio Hour uh, tribute to Duffy's Tavern, a great original work with classic characters by Joe Bevilacqua, who we heard earlier in the hour, and he can be found at www.joebev.com if you hadn't got across that uh, so far. And that does it for our show this week. Uh, next time, we'll be headed to a world on the brink of disaster, obsessed with vanity and killing those who try to change anything. And I'm not talking about Washington, D.C. It's uh, actually the dark fantasy folktale, The Last Harbinger, by Crazy Dog Audio Theater out of Dublin, Ireland. Yes, that's right. The infamous, the only, Crazy Dog Audio Theater makes their radio drama revival premiere. And over the next five weeks, we'll be featuring the entirety of that excellent audio piece. So whatever you do, don't miss it. And in the meantime, to seat your cravings for more news, reviews, and discussions, saunter on over to www.radiodramarevival.com or take a gander for us on the iTunes store. That's Radio Drama Revival. And until next week, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week.